The Holy Gospel according to John in the fourth chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came near to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a a woman of Samaria? For Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flock drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So I learned a new phrase the other week. I was heading into our confirmation retreat and I had um, my Stanley cup and my, my iced coffee mug and possibly one other water bottle with me. And I go in and one of the other um, leaders of confirmation goes, oh, you're just like me. You're a drink goblin. <laughs> And then she proceeded to explain me what all of her multiple cups were used for and her hydration as well. And that's true, I'm probably one of those, a drink goblin. I normally refer to it as my emotional support water bottle. Um, I have it right here in the front row. Andrew normally has his as well. Um, But I rarely go places without it. Indeed, I feel like kind of stressed when I don't have my water bottle with me. Because what if I get thirsty? What if I get thirsty and there's no water? This happened on one instance. It was at the very beginning of Ethan and I's relationship. We were going on this hike together. He had kind of coordinated it. I thought he was bringing everything we needed. It was kind of a hot day. And we got out there and I was like, I'm really thirsty. Do you have your water bottle? And he did not have a water bottle. He didn't have one. And there is a slight chance that in hearing that, I might have been just a little bit dramatic, and I might have said some words like, well, what if I die out here? (laughs) Now, in Exodus, the Israelites, they know a thing or two about dramatics, and they also know a thing or two about being thirsty. They are at the beginning of their desert journey. They're very much less than a year out from being slaves in Egypt. They're tired, they're run down, they're deeply needy folks, and for good reason. They've been slaves for 400 years. They haven't known God for 400 years. 
So we mustn't judge them too harshly when they ask for water from Moses. And when they lament, oh goodness, if they had just stayed in Egypt, oh yes, they would have been slaves, but all their needs would have been met. They wouldn't have been thirsty in the wilderness. Now, when the Israelites ask God for water via Moses, I suspect that there is something just a little bit more behind what they are asking for. Now, when I was in seminary, I was a nanny for several years to four boys. I spent the most time with the boy who was four years old. And I'm going to put it nicely, he was kind of a lot. Like, he had a lot of needs and a lot of attitude. He was dramatic at times. And he, is, he was kind of accustomed to getting what he wanted. Um, yeah. So when we first started getting to know each other, he would do these little things. Like he would throw these awful fits, for instance, when he tried to cheat at card games and I would not let him cheat. Or he would like ask me questions repeatedly. Like if I knew what time his brothers got picked up from school. I knew that he was kind of testing me. He was really trying in maybe ways that he thought were a little covert, or maybe he wasn't even aware of it, to see if I had the gumption that it was going to take, to see if I was someone who he could trust and who was going to meet his needs. Now, the Israelites are sometimes, and by sometimes I mean very often, they're very often kind of like four-year-olds roaming around in the wilderness. And they're constantly testing God, asking God for things that they think will meet their needs. You see, I'm sure that they're thirsty, but I think what they really want to know is encapsulated in that last line of our Old Testament reading when they say, is the Lord among us or not? Is God going to abandon us on this journey? Will God be with us for the long haul? You see, they haven't known God for 400 years in Egypt. Their story up until this point has been one of slavery. But now they're at a turning point. They're receiving this new story from God, one that is centered around freedom and they're uncertain, and they're afraid, and maybe not the best at asking for what they really need. When they really need to know, is God with us? Is God here for this long haul? Is God really going to be present in our new story? Now, the gospel for today is similar in a lot of respects, but what I find most amazing is that the woman who is at the well is able to really understand what she needs in just a really short frame of time. It doesn't take her much. She doesn't have to wander around, at least in the wilderness, for 40 years to figure out that she needs Jesus. And we know this because she proclaims it. She says, Jesus, give me this living water so that I will not be thirsty. What she's saying here is this, Jesus, give me living water. 
Jesus, I am desperate for something new in my life because I am thirsty for change. And that living water that Jesus gives her, it gives her something that she truly needs because the living water ends up giving her a new story. She leaves behind this old story that she has brought with her to the well. Now that old story, there's a little backstory and there's some little nuggets of information in our gospel that reveal to us what that old story was. It's commonly thought that that woman at the well is someone who is really on the outskirts of society and of her community. Really not liked or accepted by others. See, women typically would come to the well to get water in like the early morning or the late evening, and she's here at the hottest time, right in the middle of the day. We can assume that she's avoiding people. Then in the passage that follows this, there's this interesting exchange. Jesus asks her where her husband is, and she says, oh, she has had none. And she, he says, this is true. You don't have one now, but you have had five husbands. Five. A fun fact that Pastor Allen shared with me last night, he said all of those husbands probably left her for one reason or another. There's no women divorcing their husbands in Jesus' time, of course. And our initial response when we would hear something like that might be, oh gosh, I wonder what's wrong with her, right? I think we can think up a few judgments associated with that statement on our own. You could call her a lot of things, and yet remember that Jesus doesn't call her anything. It's clear from those backstory moments that the woman at the well needs a new story, a new story to call her back into relationship with those in her community just like the Israelites need a story beyond slavery in Egypt. Now, if we ourselves really take the time to reflect, I think we'll probably find that we're more often like the Israelites in the desert, asking for water to drink and thinking that it will fulfill our needs, when what we really need to be asking for is God to bring us a new story a story where God is fully present in the change. But I know, and what we can learn from the Israelites and even the woman at the well, is that it's really tough to ask for what we need and even to recognize what we need in the first place. It's hard to know ourselves well enough and to know what's good for us. As I was thinking back to that hike with Ethan, I think I was dramatic for probably a reason bigger than just being thirsty. I just really wanted to know if he was someone who was going to be able to care for me. And that water bottle signified that in the moment. We often focus on what is easy and less complicated to ask for, and we avoid the tougher things to ask for. That will ultimately reflect the vulnerability of our hearts and our soul. But in avoiding that difficult ask, we are really just trying to fill our cup with what doesn't give us true life abundant. It may quench our thirst for a day, but it won't last for very long. 
and it won't bring us the true new story that we are looking for. The tough ask is this, God give us that living water that will bring forth a new story. After the woman at the well asks for the living water, she goes back to her community. She goes out and proclaims the good news of Jesus, saying that Jesus has met her and knows everything about her. She shares the good news with them. And she returns to her community as someone who is more like a prophet or a preacher, rather than whatever statements that they might have said about her. Her story is new, and her deepest need for a renewed relationship with those around her is fulfilled through Jesus' power to give her that new life story. And the Israelites, their story is rewritten by God, too. They transform from a people enslaved who don't know God for 400 years to a people chosen by God, special, set apart, and free to be blessed, to be a blessing to others. The possibilities in these new stories are endless. But have you ever wondered why God would choose these people? Why the Israelites or why the woman at the well? Why would God want to be a part of their stories? A ragtag lot of complainers and an allegedly promiscuous woman who nobody really wants. In our Lenten devotional coming up this week, on the Gospel text, they reflect on needs and mutual needs, especially between us and God. It reflects on the image that you'll see on the cover of your bulletin today. See, it's a picture of Jesus and the woman at the well. They're gazing at one another, and their arms are crossed in mutuality. The commentator, the Reverend Lauren Wright Pittman, writes, The woman's need is not for water in the well. Her need is for grounding in a new identity and to be seen for who she is. But she writes that Jesus has a need here, too. Jesus comes to the well thirsty, asking for that drink of water from this woman. And I think in asking for that drink of water, Jesus is saying, can I be a part of your story too? Will you let me in? And I wondered about this because I don't think we think too often about God's need for us or whether God is ever asking to be a part of our story. Did you ever think that you are an essential part of God's story or how deeply God desires and yearns to be a part of yours? So that on our journey in accepting that living water and a new story, it's not just beneficial to us. It fulfills a desire that God has from the beginning of time. When God creates us in the garden, and from Exodus to John and now into the future, God's desire is for us to have a new story, and one where God is a part of that story. For God created you, God loved you, God thinks so many wonderful things about you as a beloved child. 
So this week, I know you'll be tempted to think, what's my new story? But I want you to start somewhere else. I want you to think not what your new story might be, especially if you're at a point in your life where you feel like you might need one and you've got some baggage that you'd like to leave behind. But I want you to think, what would it be like to invite God in? What if you allowed God to be a part of the new story in a new and different way? For we, you, me, I, we all have different needs, and they are many, and maybe a new story is one of them. But remember that at the heart of it all, you are God's greatest need. Amen.